Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Guy Jeans. Today's guest, Heidi Lynn Rayo from the North American Outdoors podcast. Heidi's pretty incredible. She's written seven books, training manuals, everything that has to do with the outdoors. It's kind of neat. Um, her husband, John, is a retired game warden in Texas. And Heidi is the 2022 Golden Bullseye Award recipient from the NRA Women Industry Woman of the Year. Pretty cool. So without further ado, here's Heidi. Heidi. Yes. How are you? Doing well, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Where I, you know, it's a lot of people don't know um, who you are that listen to my podcast. So why don't you go ahead and tell people where you're from and what you do and all that good stuff. Certainly. So my name is Heidi Rayo, and I am here in Houston, Texas. And the whole purpose of my podcast and getting my my message out there is. I am all about training and firearm safety, um, heavily involved in hunting and teaching people how to um, do some of the basic safety techniques and outdoor skills that they may have not learned as a youngster. And now that maybe they're an adult, they either marry into these um, hobbies and traditions or they have kids. And the kids are growing up and getting interested in wanting to learn some of these skills and the parents don't know where to begin. So I do a lot of, you know, basic information and mostly heavily weighted on the firearm training. Um, I'm all about teaching people how to use firearms safely, responsibly, and knowing what to do, you know, when they purchase their brand new firearm, which we've seen a lot of those brand new purchases these last couple of years. Yeah. When, and, and why do you think that is that so many people are, it's, it's happening like that out here in California too. Like it's unbelievable how many people are getting firearms. Why do you think that is? You know, I think it's just a lot of, you know, sadly what's going on in, in the world today, you know, people yeah. want to be safe and protect themselves and their families. Uh -huh. But on the positive note, I think more people are realizing that, you know, going to the range is fun, fun. you know, whether, whatever, whatever, whatever they're in, you know, their initial interest was to purchase that firearm. Once they get some training under their belt, and that's one thing I have noticed with a lot of these new firearm purchases, they're wanting to be trained. It's yeah. not like they're just buying the gun and, you know, putting it in their nightstand drawer. I mean, they want to find a, you know, a reputable class, a certified instructor to learn how to use their firearms safely and responsibly. Then once they go to the range, you know, it turns into, you know, telling friends, telling family members, which turns into more gun sales and more people to do that activity with on the ranges. Yeah. I, 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 want, I definitely want to talk uh, more about your podcast, but since we're going into the firearm uh, area, I want to, you know, how, how did you become a, a firearm instructor? Sure. So... Probably a long time ago, maybe 25 years ago, um, when I got, when I met my husband, uh, my now husband, um, he was very involved in Boy Scouts. And when you are involved with the Boy Scout program and the scouting program, in order for them to be able to open the ranges and allow the scouts to shoot, the NRA, the National Rifle Association, and Boy Scouts are very intertwined. So what that means is in order to run the ranges, you have to have a certified NRA instructor plus a certified NRA range safety officer to oversee that particular range. So if you want to do a shotgun activity on a Boy Scout campout, you have to have a certified shotgun instructor to work one-on-one -on -one with the shooter Plus, you have to have a certified range safety officer to oversee that range. 
So it required a lot of trained individuals to be able to run those ranges to keep those kids shooting on Boy Scout campouts. So as he got older, scouting has another program for the older scouts called, it used to be called Explorers, but now it's called the Venture Program, or Venturing Program. So he was involved in that program and served as, you know, like he was in his, you know, 20s, early 30s, and he was going on these campouts guiding as an adult leader um, these teenagers who are doing these high adventure activities. Same thing, you know, if you do any kind of a shooting activity during a Boy Scout event or a venturing event, you still have to have those certified and trained leaders. So when we met, um, I was able to go on some of the campouts with their venture crew, and I got really involved helping keep those ranges open and helping keep more scouters shooting safely and responsibly. So I had to go through um, my own training to get myself a certification to be an NRA shotgun instructor, rifle instructor, range safety officer, and I was able to run the ranges, you know, through scouts. We took a little bit of a break um, when we had four boys of our own. <laughs> I read that and, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh awesome. my gosh. And five with the husband. So yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so they, they themselves got into scouting. So right now I have three Eagle Scouts and one who's working on his path and pretty close to it. So wow. hopefully I'll have four Eagle Scouts in the next year or two. Wow. Um, but anyway, so they grew up in scouting and again, shooting sports, hunting, you know, firearms are very big in my family and we're a big believer in safety and yeah. training. So the boys went through scouting and, you know, we rekindled our training as instructors and um, we just realized there's such a need out there, especially in the scouting world, because when your kid goes into the scouting program, if they stick with it through Eagle or through when they age out at 18, um, you've got them for about seven years. And so what we found is we have the parents for about seven years as well. So you might have a really active, involved parent of that scout, but you, most of them, when the kid ages out, the parent usually goes out with them. Mm -hmm. And then we have another batch of, you know, new parents and new scouts coming in behind them. So there's always a need for more training, again, on the ranges. Yeah. So John and I, you know, really, my husband, John, um, we really started noticing that trend. And so we were invited by the NRA because we did so much training, you know, with scouting and in the community and doing those kinds of programs. Um, we were invited to come out to their headquarters in Virginia and go through the training counselor um, school. So it was a pretty intense, grueling, week-long training that got us up to the level where we are NRA firearm instructor trainers. So we can train the trainers basically. Um, and so with that certification, um, now we're able to teach, um, and certify rifle, pistol, shotgun, range safety officer, you know, those instructors where they can turn around and, and teach basic firearm safety classes and on the ranges. So we just were really involved in, um, that's how really how I got deep into the, the training part. Um, it was through scouting and then now as a training counselor and, and I've been a training counselor now probably close to 10 years, I guess. Mm. Um, but what, what we found was, you know, we would offer the series of classes twice a year, you know, once in the spring to capture all the adults who are going off to summer camp that needed the certification. And then we do another class in the fall to capture those leaders who needed it for winter camp. And we were actually canceling some of the classes. They just weren't Filling, you know, um, we may have a, a handful of people getting shotgun rifle and then the pistol class would cancel. So and that, that was fine. But flash forward to 2020 when the world shut down. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, we in the firearm training and industry, we were deemed essential. And our state allowed for those of us in that essential role to stay open. So our ranges never shut down and nice. we never stopped. We literally were teaching every single weekend, and my pistol classes were crazy. Like, everybody was buying a new gun, and most people were buying a pistol, and fortunately, they wanted to go through training and learn how to use it safely. So the classes um, that we teach now are, we teach the NRA, to be an NRA instructor, You ha there's three steps. You have to first take the basic class of that discipline. So if you want to be a shotgun instructor, you first have to take the NRA basic shotgun class because as an instructor, that's the class that you'll be certified to teach. 
So the NRA, it's, it's standardized, it's very structured, and they want you to be able to see that class as a student first before you can actually teach it. So then after you take the basic class, the next part is um, basically how to, how to be an instructor, how to teach, how to team teach, how to do a budget, how to order materials, you know, how to use training aids, so different parts of that equation because you may have a lot of knowledge of a particular subject but you may not be the best teacher or instructor out there. So that next part teaches you how to teach. And then finally, the third, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) And then the third part of that is the actual instructor part. So in the instructor class, there's different lesson plans and, and models where you're teaching bits and pieces of the student class. So all three of those steps. So once you're completed those steps, you know, you can activate your new credential through the NRA as being a new shotgun instructor, for example. And so that's what we do is um, the basic instructor combo packages so people can get this training. And, and it's so funny because we're getting so many different people coming to All classes. kinds of personalities, huh? <laughs> and that's a good word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we have... I mean, we just, we, I love teaching it and we just feed off of each other. We bounce back and forth with our different, you know, niches of how we teach and what our backgrounds are. And, you know, we get, we get people that have never touched the gun before to people that may be their career and they carry one for their job. I mean, it's, it's just a wide range. So the biggest challenge is finding that middle ground where we don't lose the newbies. but we don't bore the more experienced ones. Mm -hmm. But if people know anything about firearms and range time, um, the range is a very good neutralizer for those egos. I'll put it that way. (laughs) So when we put somebody at three yards and tell them to put five shots in a, you know, four inch diameter circle, you know, three yards isn't very far. And if you're as experienced as you claim to be, um, let's, let's talk some basics. <laughs> let's go yeah. back to the basics and <laughs> teach you how to aim and breathe and do all that fun stuff that a lot of people never learn. And that's what we're finding out is, you know, you may be quote an expert or experienced in firearms, but so many people came into it at the top end and never learned the basics. They never learned the proper terminology, how to properly hold it, how to properly, mm-hmm. you know, aim and breathe and follow through. And what we found in, in teaching that, teaching that method that the NRA, you know, puts forth, um, we just get such positive feedback because I can't tell you how many times people say, I never learned this, you know, and, and you may have a really good, you know, grouping, but now that you know the fundamentals, it's going to be even better, you know, with, with a little bit of practice. It sounds like, so this, this is what I do. Yeah. It sounds like you guys are the senseis of the gun instructors for sure. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. So that, <laughs> yeah. that's what I do in all my, uh-huh. my downtime, my spare time. Um, but I professionally, my day job, I teach people how to hunt and shoot for a living as well. So you do? <laughs> I have a little bit of cr- credentials to back, you uh-huh. know, what I, what I, I work for the state. And so I actually, you know, teach people firearm safety and, and hunting safety and, and run uh-huh. youth hunts and mentored first time, you know, hunters and women hunts and things like that. So, yeah. What are some of the like common mistakes that new gun owners make? Not doing their research. And I'll just go back to that training. Yeah. You know, there's. So many, if you just do a basic internet search for, you know, a gun class or gun training, Mm -hmm. do your homework, um, find the instructor that best fits you Mm because everybody has a different style of teaching. Um, some may fit better with brand new gun owners and gun Mm -hmm. owners than others. Uh, just do your research because a lot of the training out there, um, I've, I've also learned with so many people coming through my classes is there is a, a large segment of the population that's very interested in the tactical side of things, which is fine. You know, we don't teach so much the tactical things, but a lot of times a brand new gun owner, they're not there yet. You know, they got to get through the basics before they can go ahead to the more advanced training. So I would just recommend definitely doing your research, talking to knowledgeable um, shooters, going to a reputable gun store, 
mm-hmm. uh, gun range and talking to the people that this is what they do, you know, and do your research there as well. You know, be mindful if you go to a big box store, not that there's anything wrong with those stores, but a lot of times you never know who's going to be behind the gun counter. It might be somebody covering a break or they may not be as knowledgeable as you could find elsewhere. So just, just do the research to find out the right answers. What, if somebody goes into a gun store, you know, how, how would they go about selecting a gun for the first time? Like how would they know which gun to buy to use in the, in the, in the range? Or is there, is there somebody who comes with a whole bunch of different guns and you can try the different guns? It it depends. You know, it depends on where a lot of stores, a lot of ranges that have storefronts as well. Um, they have rentals that Mm -hmm. you can try the different calibers. You can try the different grips, the different sizes, um, you know, so you can see if one style fits better than another. But my, my main question that I ask people, and, and that's the hardest question that I get is, what do you recommend? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to recommend anything because I want to know what your purpose is. You know, mm-hmm. are you going to use it to target shoot? Are you going to use it for hunting competitions? Or are you going to use it to carry, you know, for protection? Yeah. So depending on what your purpose is, is going to depend on which, which firearm you need to consider, you know, trying out and processing with. So you guys in, in Texas, and I was listening to one of your podcasts, um, I guess there's, is there like, did you say there's like 19 states that you can, you can carry, you can carry open carry or something like that? Am I correct on that? So, so that change, it's very fluid. I mean, yeah. you constantly have to keep on top of the state different laws and such. But uh-huh. It does. It um, More states are being added to that list where they're going to, con- they call it constitutional carry or permitless carry, yeah. um, which basically means that, you know, it's your constitutional right to have a firearm, your Second Amendment, mm-hmm. and a lot of states are recognizing that. Um, you have a right to carry your firearm in certain areas. Now, there's prohibited areas that you can't carry your firearm no matter who you are. Um, but you need to you need to know ignorance is no excuse to the right. law. I mean, you need to do your research and know what you can and can't do yeah. and where you can and can't go versus taking the actual um, concealed carry course that your state may offer. Like in mm-hmm. Texas, it's called it used to be called CHL, Concealed Handgun License, but now we call it LTC license to carry uh-huh. and it's a it's a classroom and range qualifier and once you pass all of that you apply to the state and they run their background checks and their fingerprinting and um if you pass all of that and when you pass all of that you are issued your permit so that permit allows you your license to carry permit allows you a couple things um, number one it's another form of identification um, number two it allows you to instantly purchase a firearm. So if you go into a gun store with your L- your permit, you can purchase your firearm without having to wait the three days with the background checks if you don't have your permit because you've already been vetted carrying that permit. And number three, it allows for reciprocity. So if you are traveling out of your state boundaries and you want to travel with a firearm, you need to look in the surrounding states that you'll be passing through to find out what those laws are. Mm-hmm. carrying a firearm through that state. So if I want to travel from, you know, here to Wyoming, I need to look at, you know, Texas, New Mexico, Colorado. I need to look at all the states that I'm going to be going through to see if they recognize the Texas license to carry. Mm-hmm. And if one does not, I need to figure out, do my homework and figure out a different path. Because if I go through a state that doesn't recognize my license to carry, and if I'm pulled over or inspected and I'm um, caught violating their state's law, that's a big, that's a big deal. Yeah. So you want to do your research and find out what you can and cannot legally do, you know, once you have the responsibility of carrying a firearm, especially if you have your license to carry permit. Interesting. I mean, you could, you can get into some serious trouble just going to a different state, yes. you know? Absolutely. And yeah. even if, you know, we're getting a lot of, um, feedback saying, well, now that Texas has gone to permitless carry, I don't need to take the license to carry class. Well, for the reasons that I just explained about, Mm -hmm. you know, traveling out of state and all of that, um, it's still good to take that class because it teaches you the laws. And our laws have changed in the the sense that, and I'm just going to put it very simply, you know, if I have my permit and you do not, and we go into a place together and I make a mistake by going somewhere I shouldn't, 
you know, my penalties may be significantly less than someone who doesn't have their permit and makes that same mistake. They may be going to jail with a felony. You know, yeah. so there's a lot of things that have changed in the law. And it, a gun owner really needs to do their homework and always stay on top of the state, whatever state you're in, the laws of your state. And go straight to the source. Go straight to your Department of you know, Public Safety. Whoever administers the um, firearm courses, the concealed courses, that's where you need to go to find out those. And there's plenty of resources on your state you know, website. They have a link to all the other states and you know, the reciprocity agreements and the laws. Yeah, I want to uh, remind people, too, to, to go to your podcast, you know, the, out, the uh, North American Outdoors podcast, and has, you, you go through a lot of that stuff on your podcast and some of the, the, yeah. the gun laws and safety and all that stuff. And it's a really yeah. good resource, that's for sure. You know, not, uh, not, not only on um, just guns and stuff, but animals. You know, you have stuff on grizzlies and wolves, and I, I was really into it. I was like, wow, this is really cool. Thank you. Yeah. And that's kind of launched from scouting. It's because, yeah. again, you know, my husband growing up in scouting, um, he did one of his master's research projects on um, learning different habitats that you go into. Like if you take a group of mm-hmm. people camping or if you go camping, um, yeah. are you going to be pitching your tent under a black bear's favorite food source of a shrub? <laughs> right. You know, so not, not, not only do you need to know the, the skills of, being outdoors and being safe outdoors and camping and, you know, leave no trace and all those things that we learn about going outdoors, hunting and fishing and whatever it is that you're doing, you have to take a step beyond and think, okay, where am I going? You know, what lives in the habitat that I'm going to be sharing space with for the next weekend or month, you know, depending on what you're doing. And wildlife is a big deal, you know, especially if you're going up into mountain lion country or grizzly bear country Um, learn where they roam. And that's another, um, another big area that we do a lot of safety presentations on is learning the habitat, learning the biology of those, you know, those large wildlife predators, you know, know what grizzly bears eat and where they sleep and what their habits are and when they hibernate and um, when they have their young and, you know, all of that information can help you, stay safe when you're outdoors and what do you do if, you know, what do you do if you encounter? And I like to have the mindset of not what if, but rather when then, which means, you know, when I see a grizzly bear, then I'm going to dot, 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 you know, so always have that more um, assertive mindset when you're in that kind of habitat, just never let your guard down because you never know what, what's out there. Not that I want people to be afraid of every, you know, a boogeyman or a boogie boogie bear behind every bush, but they're there. I mean, we've been hunting, camping, fishing in the mountains and, you know, those bears just materialize out of nowhere. You know, they (laughs) blend in so well to their habitat and you, you you know, and and you're, you're a fisherman. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've you've experienced a lot of that. So you know, what are you going to do to stay safe? You know, yes, you have your bear spray. You should have your bear spray. You, know, mm-hmm. you have a backup canister and mm-hmm. is it not expired? You know, just making sure that you follow the steps to keep yourself safe. And if you're, you know, hunting, fishing outdoors with family, you know, we've, we've always taken our kids everywhere with us. They've, they've been camping since, you know, since they've been toddlers and, and younger. So how are you going to keep your family safe? Yeah. You know, what are the steps that you take? You know, what are your backup plans? You know, all that kind of stuff that goes into your trip plan and learning how to, how to be safe when you're outdoors enjoying, enjoying nature. We have a, we have a serious problem uh, on, on the river where I'm at on the, on the Kern river. We had a big fire, um, mm-hmm. like probably two years ago. And, um, you know, the forest all around uh, this one area is burnt, you know, so when it's a real popular backpack area. So all these bears are coming in and just raiding these poor backpackers back in this area. Yeah. And they're just, you know, just a super bad nuisance. Oh, it's horrible. And it's, uh, it's been going, right. on, it's been going on this year pretty bad up there in this one area. It's called, but, called Forks of the Kern. And it's just, oh, wow. it's just, it's a, it's a total bummer. And the, the poor bears are just, you know, hungry and easy, easy fixings when you go into the camp and go through everybody's stuff. That's true. <laughs> and it's, it's, 
it's another, you know, issue is, you know, you want to protect yourself and your, you know, whoever yeah. you're with, but you also have to be mindful of the state that you're in and the laws. Yeah. Because, you know, if you shoot a bear right. in self-defense, you better have teeth marks and claw marks all over your body. Because yeah. one of our very good friends is a large carnivore biologist up in Wyoming. And some of the stories that we hear are just, they're eye-opening. Because, you know, if you if you shoot an animal in self-defense, you know, golly, they're so protected. Mm-hmm. They are so protected in, in some of the areas. And you just really got to be careful you know, what choice that you make and, you know, how you should carry or what you should carry with you for protection. Is it going to be a knife or spray or a firearm? I mean, know, know what you can and can't do in the areas that you're going. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, there's an episode on your podcast. I think it might be your son's, uh, talking about, uh, grizzly bear encounters. Is that, is that your son talking? Yes. Yeah. It's really that cool. happened to us this summer. <laughs> it was so, oh golly. Yeah. So we, we go up to Wyoming, Montana every summer and we've done it for the past 13 years since my, my youngest was 13 since he was, you know, an infant. And we always, you know, we park our, we drop our um, RV and we just, we put four or 5,000 miles on our vehicle, just traveling and exploring and hiking and fishing and all kinds of fun stuff up, up in nature and in the mountains. And this year we discovered this summer, we discovered a mountain lake up in Montana. And so we were up there and I mean, it was, Oh my gosh, it was gorgeous, gorgeous. So it was a opening, you know, nice open area, but it was, it was on a tree line, but there was a pretty, good size area that you could get to the bank and, and do some fishing, which is what we were doing. And our son said, you know, Hey, you know, can I just go stand over there and, and throw, throw my line over here? And he was probably, I don't know, 50, 75 yards away from us at our vehicle. And we're like, yeah, it's okay. Because there, he was still in a safe area. You know, we mm-hmm. on, constantly keep our head on a swivel swivel because we were in grizzly country and then we knew it. Um, but you know, it's just something about trusting your, your gut, trusting your sixth sense. Yeah. There is something to that. And yep. my husband just out of the blue, he said, you know, Hey Luke, get back over here. And he actually said, okay. <laughs> and he came, you know, if you have a, if you ever dealt with a teenager, that's not always the case. But he actually complied. He's like, okay. So he came back over and I mean, he was still walking back to where we were and a big old grizzly just materialized out of the, the tree line. Wow. And he came to literally right where he was standing. I mean, you talk about sending body chills, Whoa. seeing that. And he was just lumbering around like bears do, you know, just looking for food. 
And the creepy thing was on the other side of the tree line, there was a campground and there were people, a bunch of kids were running around. There were people camping up there. So, you know, we immediately, you know, grabbed our stuff and just to let them know, hey, there's a big old bear poking around up here. We drove around and, you know, told them that there's a bear up there. So just be on the lookout because it kind of disturbed our fishing. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you just, and, and my husband to this day, you know, he's like, I don't know what it was. He said, I don't know. You know, if I if I heard something or if I just got a, a musty smell because they all have a mm-hmm. smell to them, you know, I don't. We mm-hmm. can't explain it, but it was just that feeling. You know, something's not right. Act on it, and he did. He's like, "Hey, it's time to time, time to get a little bit closer to us." And glad he did because oh, and of- and so the podcast that you're talking about, yeah. um, my son actually shared that story and he talked all about it and yeah. what he felt and what he saw and you know how how it could have gone a whole different way <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of people don't listen to that that uh, intuition and get into trouble right. for sure exactly exactly so there's oh, there's yeah, a, I, oh, go ahead I, was gonna say, I just love you know getting that message out there how important it is to not only be safe you know whatever activity it is that you're doing not only learn about what you're doing you know learn how to be a good fisherman a good camper but go a step beyond. Where are you going? Where are you going to do those activities? And what are the rules and laws of those areas? And what about the wildlife? You know, what what else is out there that could potentially, you know, change the path of your day and give you a bad bad weekend? Um, learn about the habitat of those those animals that live out there in, in those areas. Absolutely. There's another episode that I really liked, um, and I think everybody should go and listen to this uh, this one. It's uh, uh, season six, episode one thirty five. Things to do when getting checked by a game warden. I mean, how cool is that? Just to know. Yes. And, and you have an inside scoop because your husband's a retired Texas game warden. So, all the, yes. All the things that you talk about on there, if you want to kind of talk about it a little bit, it's really, it's actually really important. You know, like just the vibe. You know, the the game warden coming in and and your vibe and being friendly and all that kind of stuff because it could go it could go a different way. You know, absolutely. You know, and people, everybody has guns. It's just like, you know, you know that's just it. And that's what, you know, my husband, Don, he's, he's been retired now for a few years, but he had, you know, 30 some years under his belt as a Texas game warden. Yeah. And, you know, everybody he encountered had a gun. Yeah. You know, so it's your attitude is everything. It's how the direction of that interaction is going to be all based upon your attitude. Basically, you know, and he was, he was one of those and they, you know, just like anybody, everybody has different personalities and different ways of doing their job. Mm -hmm. But John always gave people the benefit of the doubt. You know, he Mm -hmm. always gave people a chance Mm -hmm. depending on, you know, how bad they were messing up, of course. But if it was a gray area, he would always give somebody the benefit of the doubt until their attitude changed. And then that was a different outcome. But, you know, gosh, if you're out in the field, you know, if you're hunting or fishing and, and you get approached by a game warden, just comply, right. you know, they're doing their job, you know, unless you're doing something illegal or wrong or poaching, you know, they're, they're just doing their job. Yeah. You know, they want to get home to their family just yeah. as much as you want to get home to yours. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, comply, you know, don't, don't make any sudden moves, you know, just ask them what they want. You know, one of the, one of the worst things that people do is when they see a game warden come and they start you know, moving their gun and unloading their shotguns or rifles. And, you know, that's when accidents can happen because you start to fumble and you don't, you know, people just get nervous in the presence of law enforcement. Yeah. Even if you're the most innocent person out yeah, there, right. there's just something about that presence. <laughs> you know, am I doing something wrong? Yep. I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, just, just comply basically is the whole moral of that story. You know, if they approach you, you know, and, and they actually, they love what they do, you know, and, and the agency I work for, you know, we always are told we get paid. The money may not always be there, but we get paid in sunrises and sunsets. And oh, there is cool. some truth to that, you mm-hmm. know, because we do do a lot of field work. But, you know, if you're going to be in this kind of a field, especially, you know, game wardens and conservation officers, you know, they love their jobs. They love being in the field. They love hunting and fishing. They never get to do it because they're working during hunting yeah. fishing season. But <laughs> right. um, they, you know, he always would love 
checking people and seeing what they got, you know, how yeah. big was your deer? How many doves did you shoot? You know, what did your kid shoot? You know, or how many fish did your kid catch? You know, so he was just as interested in learning their story, you know, when he was in the field meeting people or on the water or checking boats and, you know, he would love to talk to the public and just interact with the community. And, you know, and that's, I think that's a part that's so overlooked is their primary role in law enforcement. It's not to write tickets. It truly is education, you know, Mm -hmm. educating the users out there, the resource users on the laws and regulations and, you know, how to do, how to do a good job and be a good conservation steward. Yeah. I had a, a game warden on my show and it's one of my most popular podcasts, you know, just the stories that they have. Unbelievable. Yes. You know, some, yes. some crazy stories, um, that this, this one, uh, game warden in our area went through. He was, he was kind of like the same thing, 30 years, like your husband and, oh my gosh, some of the, the poaching and some of the stuff that goes on is crazy. And some of the people, yes. some of the other people, you know, gang members that he had to be in contact with and he was by himself, you know, was, yes. your, was your husband by himself a lot too? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Most of the time, and that's what would, it would drive me crazy because I don't have that mindset, you know. Like, we would joke around um, while he was still working, and, you know, I work for the same agency. And, you know, I tell people because they always want to know, you know, if I'm a gang warden. And I said, no, you know, I teach the laws, and he enforces the laws. You know, I'm all Mm -hmm. about teaching people the right way to do things and safety, and he's the one that enforces it. But for the most part, yes. I mean, he would work alone, and most of them do, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, early morning, whatever, whenever the, um, most of the people would be out there in the fields or on the water, that's when he would go. So he would get up, you know, he would get up in the middle of the night and he would love it when the fog was rolling in. Cause we live on the coast kind of, we're probably, I don't know, five miles from water where we live. And when the water, when the fog would roll in, he would get up about one, two o'clock in the morning and he'd walk outside. And when he'd see that fog rolling in, I mean, he was in and he changed into his uniform and he was out the door and he would check, like he would call the dispatch and say, okay, I'm on, I'm going out here or wherever he was doing. Mm -hmm. But he would live for nights like that because um, he would go grab his boat and off he'd go to the Gulf. And he'd go chasing the oyster boats and the shrimpers because um, that's usually when some of those violations happened is when it got really foggy mm. and they couldn't be seen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just a cat and mouse game. You know, yeah. he would go out and he'd find somebody doing something in the fog that they weren't supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. And, you know, but, but <laughs> yeah, he made some pretty good cases. <laughs> so, so he, his, but yeah, he would love it. His, his area was in around the Houston area where you're at? Yes. And, and, he worked in the Gulf. He's okay. in uh, Harris County, Galveston County. He worked a lot in the Gulf. He worked uh-huh. a lot of commercial, on the commercial side of things. And his other passion was working the airport, the inter- international airport. Oh. He would work in the cargo area because he was one of those game wardens that actually um, he could identify reptiles and his oh. fish. He knew his fish very well, the scientific name, because a lot of the fish, a lot of the um, reptiles look alike. So in some of the markets, you can possess certain species of, let's say, eel um, mm-hmm. dead, but you couldn't possess them live because they're invasive. And if they were released into our waterways, oh, they yeah. would take over our population. Yeah. So invasive yeah. species was a big deal. But he could identify that one little whatever spot on their pectoral mm-hmm. fin that mm-hmm. identified them as legal or not. And so he would go and he would get wind that there's a big shipment coming in and he would go to the cargo area and he would, he knew all the, the airport, you know, security guys and stuff. And he would wait for that shipment to come in and then he'd wait for the um, market employee or the store employee, the restaurant employee to come. And it'd be a huge violation if they were um, receiving something that they weren't allowed to have. Yeah. So he loved working the airport because you see some crazy stuff coming through. Do Airport you? cargo. <laughs> <Bad Yeah. time. laughs> All kinds of creatures. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yes, exactly. So he made a lot of really good cases um, doing doing that kind of stuff on the commercial side, um, the commercial side of things. So in uh, this year, you got the Golden Bullseye Award. Can you, what is that? What is, what is that award for? 
Yes. So the NRA in their publications department, they have um, the American Rifleman publication, um, American Hunter, Freedom mm-hmm. First. So they have their different publications that, that go out to members. And each year, each of the divisions of those publications have different categories that each um, publication chooses to be the best of for that year. So they might have like the best um, handgun, the best ammunition, the best accessory, firearm accessory, or whatever it is. So they all select their top favorite for that year. And last year, um, the NRA women side of things, um, they don't have like a paper publication, but NRA women has been around for a while, and they're pretty big voice. Um, women have a pretty big big voice, and they're pretty influential when they find their passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so NRA Women is pretty powerful, and they've got a very powerful digital presence. And so they said, you know, and I do a lot with NRA Women. I've, I've sat on committees. I help with their big luncheons and awards, and um, I do a lot of articles for NRA Women. And they said, you know, we, we want to take part in the award, the Golden Bullseye Award as well. And they've been doing it for 20 years. And so last year, the NRA women actually said, you know, we want to have our own category. And they, I mean, they selected me to be their woman of the year. So I was, That's first cool. time in my life I've ever been at a loss for words. <laughs> I was pretty speechless. <laughs> but it was extremely, I'm extremely humbled. And I'm so proud of that award. I, I mean, it's just for, I guess the work, you know, work that I do, getting more people trained and, you know, aware of, you know, Second Amendment and the importance of keeping your firearm rights and protecting our firearm rights and mm-hmm. teaching women and kids just safety and, you know, just getting getting all that information out there through training. And so it was a, it was a pretty big deal. I have a really nice award. And I was um, recognized when the NRA came to Houston this past May in 2022. I received my award in front of my family and my peers. And oh, it was cool. really, really a special deal. So thank you. Very, very proud of that. So it's it's so cool because when people, you know, like yourself and in our industry that that work in the outdoors and that sort of thing, you know, we're so passionate about you know, what we do. And obviously you're very passionate about what you do and you just, you know, you're just doing what you love to do and somebody gives you an award for it, you know, <laughs> you're just yeah. like, <laughs> you know, thanks, right. but I'm, this is what I love to do. <laughs> it's, yes. pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty much, I, like I said, you know, I just always, this is, this is who I am. I mean, yeah. I just love t- teaching and training and you know, when we're, when we're teaching out there on the ranges, I don't know who gets more excited when somebody, you know, does a great job at their target or if they're breaking clays, you know, I, I think I'm more excited sometimes than the actual shooter when yeah. they're successful, you know, yeah. when they, when they get it, when you see that light yes. bulb, when you see them grasp that concept, because firearms is a third language. I mean, especially coming in brand new to, mm-hmm. to guns, there's so much terminology that's only specific to firearms, you know, and, and we've seen a lot of that. So we're, I mean, I learned just as much from a new shooter than they might learn from me because I want to learn, you know, how I can do a better job getting the message out there. How can I, how can I better teach this and just their feedback. And I'm always, you know, trying to grow what I do just by listening to what, what they're hearing and how they're, I'm like, okay, you didn't get it this way. Let's try a different way. So we, you know, explaining things different ways and, um, teaching women versus teaching men. It's like, you know, the whole Venus Mars analogy. Um, (laughs) women, (laughs) women learn and kids too. I mean, learn so differently than guys do. And faster. Um, (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, they want to know why, yeah. you know, until so like when my husband and I are yeah. teaching together, we, we just have so much fun in our classes and, you know, he'll like spit something out there. True. You know, he'll mm-hmm. be like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, let me add to that. And then I'll go like for another five minutes and elaborate. Mm-hmm. And then like the ladies in my class are like, Oh yeah, now I get mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I look at him like, see, that's why mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you've got to, you've got to really explain because we yeah. want to know why, yeah. why does it do it that way? Guys are like, okay. But the, the ladies are like, but why? But yeah. why? And then what? 
so it's it, yeah, it's it's fun. I just I love. I can't see myself doing anything else. I and, love doing this. So do you? There's a question for you. Like, since you're, you know, you're obviously really passionate about what you do, and it's your it's your life and your work and everything. Do you feel Do you feel like you you're going to work? No. Yeah. Now, my day job, um, when I have to do something that's outside of the scope of, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it's still a job. I mean, you still have to do the paperwork and the, some of the travel that I have to do. But even even that, I mean, the people, people that are in the shooting world, the firearm world, you know, they're just a different, in a good way, a different breed of people. Everybody is so passionate if, if you're a shooter if you're a hunter mm-hmm. um if you're an outdoor enthusiast you know it's just a different passion i mean the people that are in that circle are all they all seem to be so genuine they're yeah. just nice they're nice people they're fun to be around you know some are quirkier than others but aren't we all you know but mm-hmm. for the most part you know i just enjoy everybody that surrounds themselves in this in this type of um, interest, you know, whether it's my day job or, you know, what I do in my nights and weekends, you know, anything dealing with hunting and shooting and, and firearm safety. Um, just, they're just a nice bunch of people. So you've written, and that uh, makes, makes it, you, makes it more enjoyable. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you've written, uh, with your husband or on your own seven books. Is that right? Both, you know, both of us contribute, um, you yeah. know, like I'll, I'll do a couple chapters and he'll do a couple and then we'll cross check each that's, other, you know, we'll cool. edit each other's content, yeah. you know, he'll take out some of my words, my wordiness and I'll make <laughs> his stuff a little bit wordier. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good balance. Yeah. But yeah, we have, um, currently we have seven books published and I'm working on the eighth one geared specifically to ladies. But, um, yeah, our first first book that we published was called um, Entering the World of the Predator and oh. that one goes back to the safety around wildlife predators. Mm-hmm. So we talk about, you know, grizzly bears, the, the black bears, you know, wolves, um, mountain lions, and for those of y'all on the coast, we mm. have a chapter there about alligator safety because um, <laughs> that's a thing too when yeah. you're camping near, oh. near the water, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> So we have um, Entering the World of the Predator, and then we also, we, we had edited it a bit, and we have Entering the World of the Predator, a National Parks Edition, because some of our books are sold up in the Northwest, and they wanted it to be, um, like we took the chapter on the firearms and some of those out, you know, so the National Parks and those kinds of stores could carry uh-huh. that didn't want to talk about firearms, which is fine. So yeah. we have um, a version for the parks. And then um, we have How to Raise a Wild Child, and that is keeping your kids wild. Get them outside. Get them outdoors. Teach them how to plant a garden. Teach them how to camp. Teach them how to fish and shoot and uh, raise chickens or raise, you know, teach them responsibility and get them disconnected. There's, you know, this whole, you know, world now is all so technology driven, which, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest guilty one as well but <laughs> there's a place for it you know and when you're in the field you know try to disconnect a little bit um mm-hmm. and just get back to get back to nature and so how to raise how to keep your kids wild get them outdoors like it used to be you know back in the day when we were growing up and we didn't have all this technology how did you entertain yourself yeah. you know playing in the creeks and you know mm-hmm. climbing dirt piles and stuff like that so it talks a lot about that Mm-hmm. And then we have um, a boy's guide to firearms and a girl's guide to firearms, which is a basic introduction to um, the boy's guide. All the pictures in there are on the boys and girls. Everything is, you know, focused on the girls. Uh-huh. And it talks about, you know, the terminology, the firearms, the ammunition, how to be safe, you know, the, the Ten Commandments, the shooting safety, you know, how to be ethical, you know, good range manners, you know, what, what to expect on the shooting range. And then I also have um, introducing kids to firearms and hunting a parent's guide. So for parents that are getting into this because of their kids or if they want to get into the outdoors hunting and shooting, it's kind of a guide for them where to go, where to start. And then the last one I have is survive. 
And that one, again, is back to those wildlife predators, knowing the signs and surviving the Yellowstone Tetons ecosystem predator, predator encounters. So all the different wildlife predators that you will encounter mm-hmm. when you go up into like the Yellowstone Teton area, Wyoming, Montana, um, and how to be safe. Nice. Where, where can these people yeah. find these books? So if you go to my website at northamericanoutdoors.org, um, I have them all listed under my store. And you can see, read all about the books. And there's um, information for um, ordering and uh, just where to find more content, content. And I also have a little store on my website as well that I sell some wildlife products. I sell, you know, real um, grizzly products. Uh, tracks so we've taken an actual impression of a grizzly track we did the mold and we have the positive molds and the negative molds so one is of the claws coming out and one of them is the claws that are the negative going in um we also have black bear tracks um skulls you know replica skulls um Mm -hmm. we've got you know necklaces just all kinds of outdoor products furs you know different wildlife furs that that i sell on my store yeah. All right, very cool. Anything and everything outdoors. Yeah. That's a North American Outdoors dot org. Is that right? Org. Yep. Org. Yeah, okay. Yes, North American Outdoors dot org. And you can find Heidi's podcast on Waypoint TV on the podcast section, which is North American Outdoors Podcast. And I really recommend that everybody go listen to it. It's amazing. It's really, really fun. Heidi, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and I look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Um, Look forward to being on your podcast, too. Absolutely. Okay. Very soon, we will. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know, right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.